Chapter One of the Search by Grace Livingston Hill. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Like Many Waters. The Search by Grace Livingston Hill. Chapter One. Two young men in officers' uniforms entered the smoker of a suburban train and after the usual formalities of matches and cigarettes settled back to enjoy their ride out to brine haven what do you think of that girl i introduced you to the other night harry isn't she a pippin asked the second lieutenant taking a luxurious puff at his cigarette i should say bobby she's some girl where'd you pick her up i certainly owe you one for a good time don't speak of it harry come on with me and try it again i'm going to see her friend to-night and can get her over the phone any time she's just nuts about you what do you say shall i call her up well hardly to-night bob said the first lieutenant thoughtfully she's a ripping fine girl and all that of course but the fact is bob i've decided to marry ruth macdonald and i haven't much time left over before i go i think i'll have to get things fixed up between us to-night you see perhaps later but no i guess that wouldn't do ruth's folks are rather fussy about such things it might get out no bob i'll have to forego the pleasures you offer me this time the second lieutenant sat up and whistled you've decided to marry ruth macdonald he ejaculated staring but has ruth macdonald decided to marry you i hardly think there'll be any trouble on that score when i get ready to propose smiled the first lieutenant complacently as he lolled back in his seat you seem surprised he added well rather said the other officer dryly still staring what's there so surprising about that the first lieutenant was enjoying the sensation he was creating he knew that the second lieutenant had always been sweet on ruth macdonald well you know harry you're pretty rotten said the second lieutenant uneasily a flush beginning to rise in his face i didn't think you'd have the nerve she's a mighty fine girl you know she's unusual exactly didn't you suppose i would want a fine girl when i marry i don't believe you're really going to do it burst forth the second lieutenant in fact i don't believe i'll let you do it if you try you couldn't stop me bob with an amiable sneer one word from you young man and i'd put your captain wise about where you were the last time you overstayed your leave and got away with it you know i've got a pull with your captain it never pays for the pot to call the kettle black the second lieutenant sat back sullenly with a deep red streaking his cheeks you're no angel yourself bob c went on the first lieutenant lying back in his seat in satisfied triumph and i'm going to marry ruth macdonald next week put that in your pipe and smoke it there ensued a long and pregnant silence one glance at the second lieutenant showed that he was most effectually silenced the front door of the car slammed open and shut and a tall slim officer with touches of silver about the edges of his dark hair and a look of command in his keen eyes came crisply down the aisle the two young lieutenants sat up with a jerk and an undertone of oaths and prepared to salute as he passed them the captain gave them a quick searching glance as he saluted and went on to the next car the two jerked out salutes and settled back uneasily that man gives me a pain said harry wainwright preparing to smooth his ruffled spirits by a fresh cigarette 
he thinks he's so doggone good himself that he has to pry into other people's business and get them in wrong it beats me how he ever got to be a captain a prim old fossil like him it might puzzle some people to know how you got your commission harry you're no fossil of course but you're no angel either and there are some things in your career that aren't exactly laid down in military manuals oh my uncle henry looked after my commission it was a cinch he thinks the sun rises and sets in me and he had no idea how he perjured himself when he put me through why i've got some of the biggest men in the country for my backers and wouldn't they lie awake at night if they knew oh boy i thought i'd croak when i read some of those recommendations they fairly gushed with praise you'd have died laughing bob if you had read them they had such adjectives as estimable moral active efficient and one went so far as to say that i was equally distinguished in college in scholarship and athletics some stretch of the imagination eh what the two laughed loudly over this and the best of it is continued the first lieutenant the poor boob believed it was all true but your college records harry how could they get around those or didn't they look you up oh mother fixed that all up she sent the college a good fat check to establish a new scholarship or something lucky dog sighed his friend now i'm just the other way i never try to put anything over but i get caught and nobody ever tried to cover up my tracks for me when i got gay you worry too much bobby and you never take a chance now i the front door of the car opened and shut with a slam and a tall young fellow with a finely cut face and wearing workman's clothes entered he gave one quick glance down the car as though he were searching for someone and came on down the aisle the sight of him stopped the boast on young wainwright's tongue and an angry flush grew and rolled up from the top of his immaculate olive drab collar to his close military haircut slowly deliberately john cameron walked down the aisle of the car looking keenly from side to side scanning each face alertly until his eyes lighted on the two young officers at bob wetherell he merely glanced knowingly but he fixed his eyes on young wainwright with a steady amused contemptuous gaze as he came toward him a gaze so noticeable that it could not fail to arrest the attention of any who were looking and he finished the affront with a lingering turn of his head as he passed by and a slight accentuation of the amusement as he finally lifted his gaze and passed on out of the rear door of the car those who were sitting in the seats near the door might have heard the words and they killed such men as lincoln muttered laughingly as the door slammed shut behind him lieutenant wainwright uttered a low oath of imprecation and flung his half-spent cigarette on the floor angrily did you see that bob he complained furiously if i don't get that fellow i certainly did are you going to stand for that what's eating him anyway has he got it in for you again but he isn't a very easy fellow to get you know he has the reputation oh i know yes i guess anyhow i know oh i see licked you too once did he laughed wetherell what had you been up to oh having some fun with his girl at least i suppose she must have been his girl the way he carried on about it he said he didn't know her but of course that was all bluff then too i called his father a name he didn't like and he lit into me again good night i thought that was the end of little harry i was sick for a week after he got through with me he certainly is some brute of course i didn't realize what i was up against at first or i'd have got the upper hand right away i could have you know i've been trained 
but i didn't want to hurt the fellow and get into the papers you see the circumstances were peculiar just then i see you just applied for officers training camp exactly and you know you never can tell what a rumor persons like that can start he's keen enough to see the advantage of course and follow it up oh he's got one coming to him all right yes he's keen all right that's the trouble it's hard to get him well just wait i've got him now if i don't make him bite the dust ye gods when i think of the way he looks at me every time he sees me i could skin him alive i fancy he'd be rather slippery to skin i wouldn't like to try it harry well but wait till you see where i've got him he's in the draft he goes next week and they're sending all those men to our camp he'll be a private of course and they'll have to salute me won't that gall him he won't do it i know him and he won't do it i'll take care that he does it all right i'll put myself in his way and make him do it and if he refuses i'll report him and get him in the guard-house see i can you know then i guess he'll smile out of the other side of his mouth he won't likely be in your company that doesn't make any difference i can get him into trouble if he isn't but i'll try to work it that he is if i can i've got pull you know and i know how to work my superiors he swaggered that isn't very good policy advised the other i've heard of men picking off officers they didn't like when it came to battle i'll take good care that he's in front of me on all such occasions a sudden nudge from his companion made him look up and there looking sharply down at him was the returning captain and behind him walked john cameron still with that amused smile on his face it was plain that they had both heard his boast his face crimsoned and he jerked out a tardy salute as the two passed on leaving him muttering imprecations under his breath when the front door slammed behind the two wainwright spoke in a low shaken growl now what in thunder is that captain larue going on to brinehaven for i thought of course he got off at spring heights that's where his mother lives i'll bet he is going up to see ruth macdonald you know they're related if he is that knocks my plans all into a cocked hat i'd have to sit at attention all the evening and i couldn't propose with that cat around better put it off then and come with me soothed his friend athelie Britt will help you forget your troubles all right and there's plenty of time you'll get another leave soon how the dickens did john cameron come to be on speaking terms with captain larue i'd like to know mused wainwright paying no heed to his friend hmm that does complicate matters for you some doesn't it captain larue is down at your camp isn't he why i suppose cameron knew him up at college perhaps cap used to come from the university every week last winter to lecture at college wainwright muttered a chain of choice expletives known only to men of his kind forget it encouraged his friend slapping him vigorously on the shoulder as the train drew into brine haven come off that grouch and get busy you're on leave man if you can't visit one woman there's plenty more and time enough to get married too before you go to france marriage is only an incident anyway why make such a fuss about it by the fitful glare of the station lights they could see that cameron was walking with the captain just ahead of them in the attitude of familiar converse the sight did not put wainwright into a better humor at the great gate of the macdonald estate cameron and larue parted they could hear the last words of their conversation as larue swung into the wide driveway and cameron started on up the street i'll attend to it the first thing in the morning cameron and i'm glad you spoke to me about it 
I don't see any reason why it shouldn't go through. I shall be personally gratified if we can make the arrangement. Good night, and good luck to you. The two young officers halted at a discreet distance until John Cameron had turned off to the right and walked away into the darkness. The captain's quick step could be heard crunching along the gravel drive to the MacDonald house. Well, I guess that about settles me for the night, Bobby, sighed Wainwright. Come on, let's pass the time away somehow. I'll stop at the drug store to phone and make a date with Ruth for tomorrow morning. Wonder where I can get a car to take her out. No, I don't want to go in her car because she always wants to run it herself. When you're proposing to a woman, you don't want her to be absorbed in running a car, see? I don't know. I haven't so much experience in that line as you have, Harry, but I should think it might be inconvenient, laughed the other. They went back to the station. A few minutes later, Wainwright emerged from the telephone booth in the drug store with a lugubrious expression. Doggone my luck. She's promised to go to church with that smug cousin of hers, and she's busy all the rest of the day. But she's promised to give me next Saturday if I can get off. His face brightened with the thought. I guess I can make it. If I can't do anything else, I'll tell him I'm going to be married, and then I can make her rush things through, perhaps. Girls are game for that sort of thing right now. It's in the air, these war marriages. By George, I'm not sure, but that's the best way to work it, after all. She's the kind of a girl that would do almost anything to help you out of a fix that way, and I'll just tell her I had to say that to get off, and that I'll be court-martialed if they find out it wasn't so. How about it? I don't know, Harry. It's all right, of course, if you can get away with it. But Ruth's a pretty bright girl and has a will of her own, you know. But now, come on. It's getting late. What do you say if we get up a party and run down to Atlantic City over Sunday, now that you're free? I know those two girls would be tickled to death to go, especially Athalie. She's a Westerner, you know, and has never seen the ocean. All right, come on. Only you must promise there won't be any scrapes that will get me into the papers and blow back to Brinehaven. You know there's a lot of Brinehaven people go to Atlantic City this time of year, and I'm not going to have any stories started. I'm going to marry Ruth MacDonald. All right, come on. End of chapter 1